0: Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anybody ever rip you off. I want to talk about a common bank ripoff in just a second. Coming up later, a lot of people looking for a side hustle. Unfortunately, a lot of the side hustles turn out not to be on the up and up. You're the one who can end up losing money or even potentially being in trouble with the law. I'm going to tell you the schemes to look out for. So last month, actually it was two months ago, I talked about the new survey that found that ATM charges in the United States had hit yet another all-time record high. And banks, now that they feel like the pressure's off from Washington – are looking for every possible way to take advantage of their account holders. And now a lot of banks are charging 5 bucks a pop when you go use an ATM. The average around the country is about 475 according to a survey from bankrate.com. The thing is though there are a lot of financial institutions that aren't trying to rip you off with all kinds of junk fees. I want to talk about what is becoming quickly one of the largest banks in the United States and somebody you don't think of as having a bank and that's the discount broker Charles Schwab has Charles Schwab Bank and if you do your checking with Charles Schwab Bank you're not going to have traditional bank branches or anything like that. It's more like doing business with an online bank, which I'll talk about in a second. But Charles Schwab was a pioneer in having zero-fee ATMs. You can go to any ATM anywhere in the world and anywhere in the United States, you pay no fees. If you're overseas, you pay no fees and you pay no foreign currency junk fees either. And they have been taking more and more meaningful market share in banking by giving people just a straight-up clean deal, no fees on the checking accounts, no gotchas. Well, think about all the online banks. The online banks don't have as easy a way of avoiding ATM junk fees as Charles Schwab, but pretty much 100% of the online banks offer you a wide network of ATMs you can use fee-free. So most anywhere you are in the United States, you can find ATMs convenient to you that you don't have to pay the fees. On the online bank apps, you can pull up ATMs near you because the app knows where you are and it can say, hey, there's this one that's 300 yards away or whatever and you avoid all the fees. So particularly the bigger online banks have always done this with the free TA, free ATMs, and it's become more common. The other thing about the online banks is most of the online banks started and are run with a completely different mentality than traditional banks. Instead of getting up every day trying to figure out how to pick your pocket, they straight out up front say, We don't have this fee. We don't have this fee. We don't have that fee. We don't have the other fee. And they're proud to say that because they don't have to pay for those massive and extremely expensive branch offices because everything's online. You get the savings. You avoid the gotchas. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Jason, you got one of those red
1: light tickets, huh? I sure did state of Maryland. Delivered uh, courtesy of the U.S. Postal Service a nice letter to my door stating that I owed them $75 for a red light that I'd run at a soccer tournament down in Potomac and here I'm looking at it and there's really no proof. It just shows me going through an intersection with no light or anything else and just says I owe them $75.
0: And you want to know do you really need to pay it? Well, I want to know if it's Legit, because they're really not
1: showing me that I run a red light. There's, there's no evidence that the light was red. The only lights that I'm looking at are yellow as I'm going through the intersections.
0: Right. So it, it varies by state whether you can choose to ignore a red light ticket or you got real consequences if you ignore it. And mm-hmm. where do you live in the country? Upstate New York. And how often are you going to go to Maryland? <laughs> I don't know, maybe two or three
1: times in the next five years. I'm guessing if I go down to DC for a visit, I got to drive through. All
0: right. So these don't result in points on your license, which they probably Good. told you on the ticket, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. normally you're guilty till proven innocent with a red light camera ticket. Yep. So uh, the reason I asked how often you go back and all that because when you're out of state, it's tough. Because you might have a collection agency come after you for the ticket or whatever. It's not going to lead, by anything I've ever seen, a red light camera ticket is not going to lead to a license suspension or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And normally, if you show up in court to fight a red light camera ticket, you'll do okay. But in a case where you don't go there often, I'm going to leave it to your judgment and I would go search on the web and see what lawyers in Maryland are saying about red light tickets in Maryland. Rebecca's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Clark. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Well, great to have you here. What's going on, Rebecca? Uh Oh, Well, we um, own a condo that we have
1: never lived in, and we've been renting it out for about 14 years. And we are with the same tenant. We've been very, very fortunate. But anyway, um, my husband is thinking about um, when our tenant leaves about saving the condo for us to use because it's about an hour away from us. But anyway, I'm wondering what are the tax implications implications if we were to then go back and live in a condo that has been a rental property
0: right so those tax laws changed trying to remember a couple of years ago maybe time slips away from me so you cannot now move back in and just like poof it becomes for tax purposes at a time later that you would sell it just becomes your personal residence again there is a Ratio that's involved. But as far as what happens in the immediate term, if you were to move back into it, then it does basically recharacterize as a personal residence. You can no longer deduct the condo fees. You can no longer deduct the taxes as a business expense of a rental property because rules involved with state and local tax deductions. So you make time stand still in terms of it being a rental property and it just becomes like it would currently for you having it as a personal residence there's nothing terrible about moving back into it
1: okay so we we could do it and then the implications come when we would finally sell it exactly depending how long we live in it again and blah blah
0: blah right that's okay. exactly right and jake joins us on the clark howard show hello jake Hi. Jake, you're going to put in a home gym, huh? Yeah, I was thinking about it. Well, you know the great part about having a home gym, which I have, is do you know when it's closed?
2: My gym, well, the gym that I'm considering uh, joining before I decide to do the home gym is open 24 hours.
0: Well, it's hard to make a good argument for building your own gym if you have close by a 24-hour gym. I don't. And so the wonderful thing about... My gym in the home is that I have no excuse, and I actually do work out almost every single day of the year. So the advantage of having a home gym is that unless you use it to hold your laundry, like some people end up doing, you know, they, they think they're going to work out, but they don't, is that if you have a really good history and record of working out, having a home gym only increases the frequency that you work out.
2: Right. I really only need it for barbell training. I actually have a fair amount of uh, cardio equipment, but the gym I'm thinking about joining only has one squat rack and the odds of that being used when I go there to use it. Well, if it was using that would ruin my day's workout. And so that's why I was considering just investing in my own. And I live in a small town and there's only one option.
0: So, if you put your own, basically, weight room in your home, is there somebody who can spot you? Because it's not good to do that if you don't have a spotter.
2: Well, if I'm inside the squat rack, there's safety pins that I could put through the squat rack that would keep the bar from landing on me if I was doing
0: bench. How did you know what I was worried about?
2: Oh, well, I've been lifting weights for a while.
0: Okay. All right. So what kind of cost are you looking at to put in this system?
2: $1,500 is what I estimated to start. All
0: right. And the gym membership is how much at that 24-hour place? $40 a month. $480. So you're really talking about three years to break even. That's not bad numbers. If you're really dedicated to working out, then that sounds fine to me.
2: Okay. Should I go through a bank or one of those peer-to-peer style of places?
0: So you're going to need money to buy the thing?
2: Yeah, that's what I'm... The main thing that I'm curious about is how I should go about getting a loan, because we have a fair amount of savings, but right now my wife just finished college for a teaching degree, and we're about to have a baby, so I really can't deplete my savings right now.
0: Well, congratulations to you on the birth of your child coming. Thank you. So... Wow. How much do you have in savings?
2: Well, we have uh, right in the neighborhood of nine grand.
0: All right. Your wife is going to kill me, but I would just pay cash out of the nine grand to buy the exercise equipment because you're not going to find a way to borrow the money that would be nearly as efficient as that savings, even if you're doing the best you can with it, you're earning 2% on it. Uh You're not going to be able to borrow money at anywhere near that. So it would be your responsibility to put the amount of money you would have paid towards a loan every month into, back into the savings, let's say at $50 a month, uh-huh. you redeposit into the savings for the $1,500 you have depleted for your 9000
2: Right. And you know, something I forgot to mention is that we're also in the middle of a remodel, so that complicates things a little bit.
0: Well, how are you paying for the remodel? Cash. Well, get through the remodel. Keep going to that gym, the $40 a month gym. Get through the remodel. If you're not wheezing on money, still use the cash from your savings to buy it rather than trying to finance it. I'd feel more comfortable with you doing that. Stephanie is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Stephanie.
3: Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call, and thanks for sharing your passion with us. We appreciate it out here.
0: And do you know that I have a daughter named Stephanie? You do? Yes.
3: Wow, I bet she is pretty cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I love the name Stephanie, and that's how she ended up named that. So you have a great name.
3: Oh, awesome. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, how can I serve you today, Stephanie?
3: Well, my husband um, recently took a work trip to China, and he mentioned when he got back that everybody um, over there paid with their phone. Nobody used credit cards that he saw, and so I'd heard of some things like Samsung Pay or Google Wallet or Apple Pay and just wondered if those were safe or how they work.
0: They're safer. They're actually safer according to people who... Study these things than traditional ways of paying with plastic using an really? actual credit or debit card. That the systems are more difficult for criminals to defeat than the plastic that we commonly use now. So, if you are you Android or iPhone? Android. So, using Android Pay, and if you're Samsung, using Samsung Pay, I mean, that's great and just fine to do i have both a samsung phone and a samsung watch mm-hmm. and i can pay for my watch and i keep meaning to set it up and i just never have gotten around to it one of the problems we face though is that merchants have not really adapted with their payment systems to apple pay or any of these things
3: That's what I wondered. I I didn't want to like walk up and look cool and try to pay with my phone and then (laughs) not work, and I stand there looking kind of like a fool.
0: No, you (laughs) wouldn't look like a fool. They would be the ones that haven't Mm -hmm. adapted. And I've noticed, particularly at restaurants Mm -hmm. that take the alternative methods of paying, that they have signs that say you can pay with Apple Pay or Samsung Pay or you know google or whatever and it will be something that will become a common way we will do things because it's becoming so common everywhere else and your husband probably felt like he was so out of date (laughs) not being able to just pay with his phone or watch or something
3: yes and then one other part is this like you take your existing credit card and i would put it on apple pay or google wallet or is it Samsung, yeah, exactly. That's exactly
0: how it works now. I'm hoping, though, that eventually the cell phone operators or the cell phone manufacturers will break the Visa MasterCard cartel and come up with their own payment systems so that merchants and indirectly you and me don't pay these massive fees that Visa and MasterCard hold everybody up for. Sure. Awesome. New technology has a way of breaking monopolies, and I'm hoping that it'll do so and send Visa and MasterCard, if not to the dustbin of history, at least to no longer having the shared monopoly they have over payment systems. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. When you have a question for me, Go to clark.com slash ask and post your question. There's a little box to check if you specifically want your answer from me or other ways for you to get answers for free from Team Clark. We answer your questions 42 hours each week. So a lot of us spending more money than maybe made sense for this Christmas season going to look for ways to pick up extra money and in January you're going to see a steady stream of emails and solicitations for you and social media posts for you to try to pick up some part-time money. I want you to be aware of a really really hot thing going on that has been around for probably Probably I first started hearing from people last year, but is really big now, where you're solicited for a job that's called a drop shipper. And the idea is that your home address is used as a delivery point, and then for every package that you receive, and then you resend to an addressee supplied to you many times outside the United States... You're paid a commission per dropship. Well, what you may not realize until the police show up and put you in handcuffs is that you were receiving stolen property that you were sending overseas and were being duped by a criminal ring. And since you were being paid for it, you are a clear accessory to the crimes and can end up doing hard time. So what the criminals are doing is they're using stolen credit cards to buy merchandise, sending the merchandise as if it's a gift to you, who then you are told, send this off to who knows where to who knows who, and then you're the one left holding the bag because you've been not only receiving stolen property, you've been sending it on. Just one example of the kind of ways – When somebody promises you, hey, you can pick up some easy money in your spare time, you could end up in real trouble. I also want to talk to you about the big January push because, again, people overwhelmed by debts from Christmas. You will experience next month because of people who are looking for money will be susceptible to pitches from multi-level marketing organizations. Legit multi-level marketing organizations, and the way you know one's legit, is it's all about selling a product or service to strangers, not about recruiting other people. If the real income's made recruiting other people, it is almost certainly an illegal game of chance. It is a pyramid. But even if the emphasis is on a product or service, the reality is somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of people who participate in one, make zero net dollars from being involved. Never make any money. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of people in any multi-level that do make money. And these are the legitimate ones. There are lots of others that are truly in some way a criminal enterprise or an illegal activity. Be careful out there. Be very wary of the promises, the pep rally kind of thing that makes you think this is going to make you huge money. It is so rare that it's not quite lottery ticket rare, but it's getting close to that. Jessica joins us on the Clark Howard show. Hello, Jessica. How you doing? Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. Yes. So um, I'm calling in today.
4: I have a question and I actually did a search on the website of myself the other day and there was a particular website that came up with all of my information, name, age, phone number, current and previous home addresses, as well as relatives and their ages. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out how to remove the listing, and it really concerned me as we're talking a lot about data in the news today and just about privacy and just having all of our information out there. I was really concerned and wanted to know what I could do to protect myself from having this kind of data being available.
0: It is absolutely crazy infuriating how much information about us is a click away on the internet. And we are given no control, no rights in the United States about this. So you pop in your name and immediately people will be able, depending on uh, what database comes up in the search, you'll be able to see all the things you talked about. And like when I pull up my name, I see... All the people I'm related to came up in the search. All the places I've lived, how old I am, all that kind of information instantly popped up, and that can be dangerous, you know? Mm -hmm. If somebody has ill intent towards you, somebody's maybe been abusive and you're trying to not leave any trail, for somebody to be able to do what you did, or I just did it while you were describing this. It is really upsetting. Mm -hmm. So do you know how the trail would be kept cold and you wouldn't have to type in your name and see all that information about yourself?
4: I'm not sure. I haven't been able to figure it out. I know I did go in and try to do some recon myself to see if I could watch some YouTube videos about how to remove the listing, but it didn't really seem to work out. So That's because the only
0: way to do it is to buy a one-way airline ticket, fly to (laughs) Europe, move there, because Europe has a law called the right to be forgotten. And anybody except a public figure has the right to notify a website or notify the bigs, Google, Facebook, those folks, and tell them you want to be forgotten. And they have to delete every last bit of information out there they have on you and about you. And I feel very strongly that in the United States that private citizens who are not in the public eye should have that same right. Mm -hmm. There is nothing an American can do today to clean that trail clear that trail and that is wrong yes Uh, you know you're you're not making any money from people collecting this information on you they're making money uh, with you being a series of data points and that's just wrong there's no two ways about it so the action that we need to take as citizens is to expect more and expect better from our politicians. Do you know in the aftermath of the Equifax data breach that no one has lifted a finger to provide more privacy or protection for our data that the credit bureaus collect and that's because you know we live in an era where the politicians only care about who gives them money. Right. So right now the, the thing is, all we can do is bring a focus and bring attention, and I encourage everyone to do what you did and what I just did, and pop in your name and see how much creepy stuff is instantly available to any prying eyes on the internet. So I know you come to me for solutions. Jessica, this is one that I can't solve for you or anyone else and the europeans already figured out what the law should be the only reason we don't have it here is the lack of political will dale is with us on the clark howard show hello dale hello dale you are a fellow entrepreneur are you not i am how long you been an entrepreneur uh 42 years i love that because i'm a lifelong entrepreneur myself
1: yeah i've uh, been married to my wife for about 10 years and she works with me and uh, that leads to my questions
0: which is
1: well unfortunately my son was killed last year
0: oh no oh no
1: yeah i'm so sorry his birthday's in two weeks so it's getting kind of tough but
0: oh i'm really sorry no parent know, so should outlive a child
1: i agree Um, And anyhow, we're going to be getting a small settlement because of the wrongful death. Um, There was three of them in the car, so it's got to be split up so many ways, and then with my ex-wife and then me. And I was wondering, my wife has about a third of her 30-year mortgage left on the house, and I've never saved a penny because I never saw an end to the money coming until around 08 when the bottom fell out. Sure. And we struggled for a while and we got back, and we're working hard again, and I need to know, since I've never invested in any kind of retirement or anything, would it be best to pay off the mortgage or to invest in some sort of retirement or investment account?
0: That is a, a great question. So could you give me kind of a general ballpark how much money you think you're going to receive?
1: Yeah, it's not much, uh, around 30000
0: Okay, and do you know if any of that is going to be taxable? It is not. Okay. i already checked. $30,000 is a good amount of money for you as a self-employed individual. You could put that money into various retirement accounts that are available to you as a self-employed individual. There's one called a SEP that's very easy to set up that depending on how profitable your business is, you could put aside uh, far more than the thirty thousand a year. You can put into the mid fifties in a single year. So you could sweep all the money into a retirement account, or you could throw the thirty against the mortgage. How much is left on her mortgage? I'm
1: really not sure, but it's less than the thirty.
0: So you could pay off the mortgage and put the remainder into a SEP account and put some money aside for retirement. It'll okay, reduce current tax for your business. You also could, how old are each of you?
1: I am I just turned 60, and my wife is 56. 55. All right, so both of right.
0: you could do, uh, here's another idea. I like this one actually better. You could each do a Roth IRA. 6000 is the limit unless you're over 50, in which case it's 7000 and a Roth IRA, which is a retirement account that's not taxed. The money grows wow. tax-free and is spent tax-free when you both do choose to retire. And then wow. uh, you could take – the way you could do it, you could net out, pay off the mortgage, and then you know you're mortgage debt-free. That pressure is gone when you decide to retire. Right. And then you can start this process with a kickstart of whatever money's left over into the Roth for this year – And then, since you're not going to have a mortgage anymore, next year, just keep putting money that would have gone into the mortgage payment into the Roth IRA. Oh, okay. And keep building Roth money in the remaining years that you're going to work till retirement.
1: Okay, I see. That helps a lot because I really don't know anything about investments.
0: All right, I'm going to make it ultra easy for you then. If you go to Clark.com and look at my investment guide, I explain more how the Roths work, which companies are my favorite for you to do the Roth with, and then what investment I'd put the money into in the Roth. So I've made it like almost like paint by numbers. Easy, easy, easy. Nice. (laughs) And best to both of you. And again, I want to express my sympathies to you on your loss of your son last year.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Best to you. you. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com. And then producer Joel asks it for you. And Joel, who's up? Clark Betsy's up. She says, I'm wondering if the links you provide through your email newsletter are safe to click on and what potential security measures do you have to ensure that? What a great question and something that we have thought in depth about. So when we have something in any of our newsletters like Uh, our Clark newsletter, our Clark deals newsletter, our uh, travel newsletter, and we have a link there for you, generally what will happen is it's two steps. First, the link will take you back to our website, and it gives you a greater description of the deal or information we're talking about. Then at that point, if we provide a second link, that link from one of our websites will then go to where you get that information or that item you want to buy or whatever. So we check every one of those out and knock on wood. This is real wood, I think. It looks like real wood. Anyway, we have never to this moment had a problem where we sent someone to information or to purchase something where they were in any danger at all from the link that we provided. Clark, I'm asking this one for Joanne. She says, my daughter will be going on a cruise in July. I will also be going on a cruise then, but on a different cruise ship. Is it possible for us to communicate with without it costing an arm and a leg? No, wait, I need to know, being on two separate cruise ships at the same time, is that how you get along the best? <laughs> it must be, right? Yeah. So the way to communicate ship to ship is... Incredibly easy now with the ships, so many of them having decent and somewhat affordable Wi Fi. So, if you download WhatsApp, Line, L A N E, or Viber, each of you, or download all three, if one of them's not behaving well, you can go to another one. You're able to message, and depending on the bandwidth of the Wi Fi available on a ship, you're able to do phone calls. Not very effective video calls, but the texting works nearly flawlessly ship to ship, and that way you're very easily able to stay in touch with each other. All right, and Star wrote in, how do we document the contents of our home? We've lived here for 30 years, and I'm not sure where to start. You walk and talk. You take your smartphone and you video it, and if you don't have Google Photos on your phone yet, download it first and automatically store that video in Google Photos so it's in the cloud and take as much time as you need walking all around your house saying what you got in each room, when you bought it, what you think you paid for it, and that video record is immensely valuable in the event something happens in your home that would cause a claim. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show.